Thank you for the opportunity to open up your word together. Thank you for your truth that never changes. We pray that you open our hearts up to you even as we open your word up to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, listen. Hark, the herald angel sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth, mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful, all you nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. This is a, it's a meaty song. We don't normally think of it that way. But there's a lot going on in this song. Now, I think part of that is because Charles Wesley's sneaky. Charles Wesley snuck a lot of theology in there and made you think you're just singing a Christmas song. But he's, he's sneaking stuff in there. Glory to the newborn king, peace on earth, mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. We got this mental picture of Christmas with these beautiful chubby babies swing, you know, singing sweetly across the skies on a beautiful Bethlehem. That's not, it's not the way, we talked about that, right? That's not the way it is. And it's not just that Kevin has something against babies. It's that if we genuinely do believe that Satan is a roaring lion. I don't want you to think, and his adversaries are a bunch of babies. I want you, I want you to think if Satan's a roaring lion, his adversaries are a bunch of guys made out of fire. Yeah, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I, I, I like to know that God's got this. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, outside of Bethlehem, keeping watch over their flocks at night like shepherds do. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified because, of course they were terrified. The oomph of God, not just the light of God, but the, the palpable power of God is shining all around them, and it's terrifying. Okay, yes, angels can be sweet. We talked about that last week. Angels can be sweet, not just at Christmas time, though. But the fact that in order to be sweet, angels invariably have to go, okay, don't be afraid of me this time. I actually have some good news. Says something about the basic nature of angels. They're like, oh no, I've got good things to say. Don't be afraid. Because, of course, you're going to start by that. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, not the city of David, that would be, that'd be Jerusalem, the city of kings. This little bitty village of David. That's where he was born. The little bitty village of David. A savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. The Messiah, the anointed one. The, the sovereign Lord born tonight in the house of bread. Bethlehem, little suburb, five, six miles outside of Jerusalem. So the horrible angel said, this will be an sign to you. And you're going to find this baby wrapped in claws and lying in a food trough. Not in the city of David, on a crownly, thronely, in the little bitty village of David in a food trough. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host, more military terms, a company of the, of the army, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Vroom, marching across the sky, fire, boom, <gasps> glory. Would that be particularly PC? Peace on earth! People. I'm not feeling peace. Of course, part of that depends on how you're defining peace, right? 
What's your working definition? Peace on earth. Do you, you know what that would look like? I mean, an amazing number of beauty pageants. I appreciate that an amazing number of people in beauty pageants desperately want peace on earth. I, I do. They're an extremely pacifistic group. So, you know, what do you, what do, what do you want? What's your vision? Peace on earth. Yeah. If you were to go talk to 100 people on, on the street and ask them, what would peace on earth be like? You'd probably get like 100 different answers, right? But I guarantee at least 99 of them, possibly 100 of them, would all be centered around the same basic concept of a cessation of hostilities. When I say peace on earth, what would that look like? Isn't that what tends to go to your mind? Peace is a cessation of hostilities. Peace in the Middle East. Peace between socio-political groups. Peace amongst my family members at Christmas time. I want a peaceful place where the place is peaceful, the circumstances are peaceful. Isn't that where our brains tend to naturally go? But that can't be what the angels are talking about. It absolutely cannot be. They're not talking about an earth that has a cessation of hostilities. And if that's our mental picture, we're ignoring the Bible to feel better about it. Because 10 chapters later, in the exact same book, Jesus himself says, do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No. I came to bring division. I didn't come to bring peace on earth. Which means one of three things. Jesus completely ignored and is completely contrasting, is completely wrong. He's ignoring what the angels said or the angels were completely wrong about him. So that's one. There's an absolute contradiction. And or Dr. Luke forgot what he had typed 10 chapters earlier. Right? Or third, because this is the only other option, peace on earth doesn't mean what you think it means. Frankly, I think both Jesus and Dr. Luke are a lot smarter than me. So I'm pretty sure they knew that they were talking about, and I'm pretty sure there's not a contradiction, which means that pretty sure there has to be that peace is not the same thing that we're thinking of. In fact, that reminds me of what Bill read earlier. Doesn't it? Jesus said, my peace I give you. My peace I give you. And I don't give it to you like the world gives. It's not, it's not the same sort of thing. It's absolutely peace on earth. But if you're anything like me, and you're anything like those 100 people we didn't talk to on the street. When I say peace on earth, and you think, ah, cessation of hostilities, a peaceful situation, peaceful circumstances, then I can even go so far as to say, Jesus says, my peace I give to you, but I don't give as the world gives, and I don't give what you're wanting. I don't give what you're looking for. Because let's be honest, when we think of peace, on a daily basis where the rubber hits the road in point of practice, we as Christians, most of the time, are in lockstep with the world. We might use Jesus' words, but the way we think is in lockstep with the world. Peace comes when hostility ceases. Peace comes when the money finally comes in to pay that bill. Peace comes from the negative test results that you get from the doctor. Peace comes when the numbers finally add up that weren't adding up before then I can feel peace. 
we, we have peace when all the stuff that's causing us stress stops causing us stress, right? So once the stressor stops stressing us out, once we see the light at the end of the tunnel, once we see that the circumstances have changed around us, then we can start to feel God's peace, right? No. That's when we feel our peace. That's when we feel the world's peace. That's not bad. That's not bad. But it's, it's kind of like having a cracker and saying, no, I had dinner. No, you didn't. We keep talking about this, and I, and, I, and I keep talking about it. God's peace has nothing whatsoever. And I'm not overstating that. Let me say that again, because you may not have understood what I'm saying. God's peace has nothing whatsoever to do with outside hostilities or with money questions or with test results or with numbers. Nothing whatsoever to do with circumstances. Do you agree? If you don't, help me out. How many battles in Scripture did God express stress over because the other guys had so many people? How many tax payments did Jesus stress about because they didn't have the coin in hand at the time? How many doctors, how many doctors' test results did Jesus say that Jairus should stress over, over the corpse of his daughter? How many life circumstances did God tell us we should stress over? Because God's peace has nothing whatsoever to do with outside hostilities or with numbers or with test results or with money or any of that. Look at the context of what I, I quoted earlier when Jesus talked about, I didn't come to bring peace on earth. Even the disciples thought that he would usher in this magical peacefulness. But of course, that's because he kicked out all the Romans and you know fixed everything. He fixed all the circumstances, right? He changed all the outside circumstances and thus brought peace. That's what they were expecting. He's going to change all of that. But Jesus said in Matthew 10, no, let me tell you about this. Brother will betray brother to death and a father is child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. That's the kind of peace we're talking about. That's peace, right? Doesn't sound particularly PC. All men will hate you because of me, Jesus says. But, and I love that. I love that word. I love that word. Because if you remove that word, if you just go, oh, yeah, 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 you know, but this, and you go, no, no, no. Let that first part land. This is how yucky it will be. This is the division that I am bringing. I am bringing a division that will turn families against families. The people who love each other the most will hate each other the most. They will put you to death. That's what I'm bringing. Not peace on earth that you're looking for. I'm bringing this level of division. Not really. Yes, really. But I thought you were bringing peace. I'm bringing this. Do you wrap your head around that? Yes. But... In order for you to understand what comes after the but, you have to see what's going on before the but. But, circumstances will not get better, but 
he who stands firm to the end will be saved. It's not that there's nothing to be saved out from under. It's that I promise you will be. It's You will be saved. I'm walking with you, with you through this. I want you to have a sense of God's peace no matter what the circumstances are. Because the circumstances change all the time, don't they? I felt very different on Friday than I did on Thursday. And I feel differently today than I did yesterday. If I base my peace, if I base my stress levels, if I base my joy on my circumstances, it's going to go... And none of us do that. Right? Your attitudes don't change with the day. Because that would be crazy. People around us change all the time. And they're not going to like what they see in you that doesn't reflect them. Some people are going to say, wow, how can you have such peace? How can you have such joy? Can you tell me about the hope that you have that I don't seem to have? How do you not react the way that I react? There are going to be those that do that. Have you ever run into people that sit there and go, you're nuts. I don't like you. You say you were forgiven for your sins, then that means we have sins, and that means I have sins. So when you say, praise Jesus, I hear you think I'm a horrible person. You ever run into that? Jesus says, you know, he who stands firm to the end will be saved, but they're going to hate you. Don't don't be afraid of them, but they're going to hate you. But don't be afraid of them but they're going to hate you. But don't be afraid of them. He's very, very redundant. Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body but can't kill the soul. You weren't going to survive this place anyway. No, don't be afraid, he says. And then three verses later, he says, don't be afraid. He says, don't be afraid, and then don't be afraid, and then don't be afraid. What's the point that you think he's trying to make? There's division all around you. There's hostility all around you. There's there's numbers that don't add up all around you. All men will hate you. Test results come back and they're scary. You don't have to be afraid. Why? Well, because you have God's peace. Yeah, but I don't see how this goes together. I don't know that my mom is here. I don't see her right now. I don't see her right now. And you go, yeah, okay. Why does everything have to be concretized before you can find peace? Your father's always there, whether you see him or not. That's God's peace. Our peace is built out of much flimsier stuff than God's peace is. Our peace, <laughs> it doesn't last. You know, if anything, Jesus came to destroy our peace. He's like, you built a piece out of balsa wood and you were leaning on it. You're going to fall. Let me kick that out from under you and give you one built of brick. Can we do that? So he says in chapter 10, Matthew 10, verse 34, don't suppose I've come to bring peace on earth. I haven't. No, I didn't come to bring peace. I, brought, I came to bring a sword. I've come, to ter- I've come in order to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. That's not even his words. He's quoting from Micah. Oh, that's a... Does anybody else remember any prophecies in Micah? Anybody? 
Oh, that's right. There was this whole, the Messiah is coming. He'll be born in Bethlehem. It's the same prophecy. The Messiah who's going to bring peace, right? If you believe Micah about that, believe Micah about this. The hostility is the prophecy and always has been. And the peace is the plan and always has been. Jesus says, whoever finds his life will lose it. If you're, if you're trying to grasp on to life here, if you're saying this, this is the sum total of everything, it won't last. It wasn't going to in the first place. It's not even like I'm going to take it from you. It's, it doesn't last. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If you, if you remind yourself that you're not just from this place. So what kind of peace are you looking for? What kind of peace are you building on? Don't make me start talking about parables, about foundations of houses. You know, well, one build it on sand, one build it on rock. One build... You know this story. Three little pigs. Figure out whichever one you want. You know the story. You want to make sure that you're building on something solid. How many times in your life have you ever felt like the world yanked your joy, your peace out from under you? You just finally got it all together. You finally got settled. You finally figured it all out. All the numbers finally worked. Everybody's finally safe and happy and healthy all at the same time. All the, and then the world yanks your peace out from under you. Ever felt like that? I know I have. Now, that's indicative of two things. Number one, well, of course it did. That's what the world does. It doesn't even have to be malicious. And sometimes it is malicious. It's just transitory. Number two, if you've ever felt that way, it means you were building your peace out of this place instead of God's peace. Because he didn't change. The world did. But we were building on a sandy foundation, a worldly foundation. I was looking for somebody to stop shooting at me before I thought that the war was over. I was looking for doctors to give me good news. I was looking for money to magically appear to pay the bill. I was looking for that as the foundation of my peace. And when that was removed, why the world stole my joy. The world stole my peace. Because I built it on this world. And the world did what it does. It crumbles. Can you count on those things as your foundation? I know I've talked about this kind of stuff before. I know I have. But it's not just that I'm being redundant. It's not just that I'm being redundant. It just keeps coming up in Scripture. And, and I want to bring it out today for two good reasons. Number one, there are so many Bible verses that command us about this idea that our peace cannot be built on this world's understanding of it. And number two, the reason we have so many Bible verses is because we keep screwing it up. And I don't just mean us here in Peoria. I don't just mean, well, Christians these days. Humanity as a species, we've been screwing this up since we walked in Eden. Here's what God has set up as peace. You know, the world says this. You know, that makes sense. Oh, it so didn't! But early Genesis, ever since then. We know the truth. We might even believe the truth, but then we yabbit it away, don't we? You ever have a problem with yabbiting? I know you do. I've talked with us. I talked with me. I know yeah, but you can have God's peace even when you're surrounded by enemies. Yeah, but they're shooting at me. I don't know if you realize this. I'm not sure God really understands this. You can have God's peace even when you're facing cancer and death. Yeah, but okay, but in the real world, Kevin, this is really big, scary stuff. You can have God's peace even when the waves and the wind are roaring and raging. Yeah, but it's not like I can walk on water. 
Only Jesus can walk on water, correct? False. False. Yeah, but, yeah, but, okay, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. Yeah, but. I dare you. I dare you. The next time that you see somebody you love say, yeah, but you look at him and go, yeah, but. Don't yab at this. It won't end well, but it will ultimately end well. Because hopefully they'll go, wait a minute, you're right, that's what I'm doing. I'm so stressed. God's got this. Yeah, but that's trite. No, it isn't. It can sometimes be expressed tritely, but that's not what I'm doing. But it seems so natural to strive for that. It's so undependable. The, 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 world, the world's understanding of peace is so independable. There's stuff that's supposed to work that way, and it doesn't. Israel's supposed to be the good guys, aren't they? Aren't they? Just because Hamas is the bad guys doesn't make Israel acting like the good guys. When pretty much the whole rest of the world goes, Israel, you had the moral high ground. Please stop it. I can't just say they're acting good because I want them to be. And even when people are doing stuff that's good, it doesn't last. The world's peace only lasts until the next time someone fires a shot. And then it's all done. It seems so natural to strive for. We live in stress and we think it's natural to be stressed. And it's not. We fear wars and rumors of wars. But we shouldn't fear them. We defend ourselves against our enemies instead of seeing them as our mission field. We stand against the lost world as opponents. Or, conversely, I suppose, we reflect their priorities back to them. We just do what they do. Instead of consciously engaging with the world and reflecting God's priorities back to the world. Beloved, you're never going to win souls to Christ by playing the world's game, by the world's rules, and saying, oh, but I'm doing it for Jesus. You win souls for Christ by not playing the game at all and doing that for Jesus. Of course, that requires that you don't respond the way the world naturally responds. And that requires that we develop a new nature so that we naturally respond, not the way the world naturally responds. Because otherwise, you're just always going, well, what am I supposed to do? And you're trying to muscle through it, and that never works. It never works. Because you can't just try really hard to be better than other humans, because you probably won't be. There's nothing about being a Christian that means you're, a, you're just, suddenly you're just better at this. It doesn't work like that. It has to be that we let ourselves be changed. And now that reminds me more of what Bill was reading earlier today. Christ told his disciples, the counselor, the advocate, the, the one who's been called to your side to speak on your behalf and to speak to you on God's behalf. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus says, will teach you all things, will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. And I don't give it to you like the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. And you may not have noticed, but that's one coherent, cohesive consistent thought sometimes we break that up into like three different sections or more but there's three different points within one specific thought the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name will teach you all things he will remind you of everything i've said to you this isn't just you muscling through it on your own this isn't just you trying to be better 
Number one, consciously, actively depend on the Holy Spirit. Lean on him every day. Seek him out every day. Hear his truth in scripture every day. Hear his voice in your prayer time to the point where you know God's voice. You know his voice. Lean on him. Be taught by him. Let him defend you. If you are in a war zone and if Satan is a roaring lion, the one thing in the world he's afraid of is God. And you have God within you. The Holy Spirit of God within you. The dumbest thing in the world you can do is forget that. And I'll say, an amazing number of us Christians, we forget it. We just plod along trying to be good people and trying to please God, knowing our own limitations. You know, I, I know I'm only limited, but the spirit within us has no limitations. Why are we not leaning on him? Why are we not trusting in him? Why, why, do, we, why do we settle for how high we can hop when we forget that God has given us wings to fly? Why would we ever do battle with Satan alone when we have the Holy Spirit within us? So secondly, Jesus says, let me clarify the main point from today. Peace I live with you, my, my peace I give you, I don't, I don't give it like the world gives it. It's not the same kind of peace. It's not what they're giving. There's absolutely nothing wrong with asking in prayer for negative test results from your doctor. It's, it's nothing wrong for praying that the snipers over there stop shooting at you nothing wrong please absolutely keep praying prayers that god might change circumstances please please never hear me think never hear me say that you shouldn't pray that circumstances change just never ever ever again in your life please ever pray that so that you can find peace your peace can't be built on that Pray that God change circumstances, but that's not when you can finally find peace. Because I guarantee some circumstances will not change. And you and I have to let ourselves be changed, us be changed. We need to make sure that our stress levels are not based on what Fox News or InstaFace Twit or liberal pundits are shouting in our ears that we should be afraid of. That cannot, cannot be where we base our peace or lack of peace. Think of all those verses in the New Testament about the end of the world, right? Scariest thing you can imagine, right? End of the world. How many of the people sharing those verses, Jesus, Paul, John, how many of those people sound particularly stressed about it? The thing that we fear Wars, rumors of wars. I don't know. It looks like it. It looks like it. Jesus and Paul and John are all like, yeah. And then good guys win. It'll stink. Don't get me wrong. But the world stinks already. It'll just stink very pointedly. And then the good guys win. The stuff that we're fearing is not what the world... Let's say it this way. It's not what scripture tells us we should be fearing. Don't do that. We need to be seeking God's peace and pursue it. We need to know that Satan is still there. But know that our peace, as we've said before, isn't based on dodging the storms of this world, but of finding the master of those storms. 
knowing that Satan is still there, knowing that the wind is still howling, that the waves are still crashing, but finding peace because you know that you've dived so deep in your submarine that those waves no longer buffet you. And I don't mean that tritely. I mean to say, wait a minute, am I really basing my spirit, my inner life on what's going on in the next 10 minutes? All exist for eternity is the next hour so crucial that I will let it change me? The next week is so horrendous, but do I let it change my relationship with God? When I'll have that relationship for eternity? Because Jesus says, third thing, since he is giving us that peace, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. It's your choice. I am giving you peace. So take it. Make a choice. Does it matter that he's saying this right before he goes to the cross? He actually maybe knows what he's talking about. This isn't a little throwaway line. This isn't a tritism. It's not something you can yab it. It's something even Jesus clings to. Something we need to cling to. Have I mentioned my dog, Buster? I may not have mentioned Buster. I love Buster. My dog is my best friend. And I don't mean that just because, you know, dog's my best friend. No, he's my best friend. We converse. He is the smartest dog I've ever had. I love all dogs. And he is scary smart. He doesn't miss nothing. He is the most sure-footed dog ever. I've seen him hop over from the floor to the floor, hop over a sofa much bigger than these pews and land exactly where he intended to. He's amazing. For the last seven months, I have been watching my dog incrementally die. Keeps having seizures, and every time he has a seizure, he's worse. He never quite bounces back. My dog, who's the most brilliant dog I've ever seen, this week repeatedly I had to go save him because he was stuck in a corner and couldn't figure out how to turn around and get out, and he was lost and whimpering. My dog is the most sure-footed dog I've ever had, I've ever seen. We have to carry him up and down the stairs because he can't do stairs anymore. Every once in a while, I'll just fall over. And all that started when I was starting chemotherapy for my cancer. If my peace is based on my circumstances, there is no peace. If my peace is based on, dear Lord, please just let Buster get better. He's not going to. He's going to get worse. He might have a better day, and then the next day he's going to be worse. He might have a better week, and then a month later he'll have a seizure and he'll be markedly worse. And eventually he will pass away. He's 17 plus years old. He's had a good life. He's doing good, and he's happy. And I'm doing everything I can do to make him happy. We're making sure that he's never alone because he can't be alone anymore. Because my peace about Buster isn't based on him getting better. It's based on the fact that I love him. And I know God loves him more than I do because he sculpted him and he did a really good job. If I feel that way about my, about my dog, what about my wife? What about my children? What about my church? What about this world? If God cares that much about a sparrow, you're worth more than many sparrows, aren't you? I think you can give God Monday, don't you? Not that he's going to make everything okay. 
but that you'll be okay. Your relationship with God will be okay. You'll reach the finish line okay. It'll be okay. You know the circumstances get better? No, but you're okay. Maybe they will, maybe. I love the way Isaiah said this centuries earlier. In Isaiah 8, he says, Yahweh spoke to me with his strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow the way of this people. I love the word picture. God put his arm on him. God's like, I've got this. I've got this. Let me encourage you. Don't, don't think the way the world thinks. He said, don't call conspiracy, everything that the world calls conspiracy. Don't fear what they fear. Don't dread it. Don't be led around by the same circumstances that the world is so scared of. Don't, don't go there. Don't go there. Yahweh Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He's the one you are to fear. He's the one you are to dread. If you're looking for something to dread. And he'll be a sanctuary. If you're looking for something to be afraid of, the biggest, scariest guy in the room, the biggest, scariest guy in the room has his arm around you and says, I'm a safe place. I'm a holy place. You will be okay. Stand with me and you will be okay. Calm in the midst of storm because his peace isn't like our peace. His mercy isn't like our mercy. We tend to show mercy to people that, well, we've examined their case and we think they deserve a little bit of leniency, right? Isn't that when you tend to show mercy? Oh, it wasn't that bad. Oh, I guess I can over... That's not what God does. Nehemiah says that the people rebelled against God and they abandoned God and they disobeyed God again and again. And then Nehemiah said, but in your great mercy, you didn't put an end to them or abandon them like they'd abandoned you. For you are a gracious and merciful God. It's your character. You showing mercy is not dependent on my actions, my deserving, my... It's just... just it's based on the fact that you're merciful. And if my character is supposed to be reflecting God's character, then on Wednesday this week, when Eric screws something up, oh, once a month he does. <laughs> Do I refuse to show him mercy? Do I show him mercy because, well, I like Eric. It wasn't that big a deal. Or do I show mercy because my character reflects the character of the God who just shows mercy? Because people change, circumstances change, God's character doesn't change. Which means that I can show mercy in any circumstance, on any day, in any situation. God's joy is not based on happy situations. God's peace is not based on circumstances being peaceful. God's mercy is not based on us deserving it. I love the fact that the end of the world, we talked about the end of the world. I love the fact that the end of the world, even that is based on God's mercy, isn't it? I mean, we sit there and go, oh, great and terrible end of the world. And I love how Peter says, the Lord isn't slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness to be. No, he's patient with you. He's not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You know, wait, God's planning the end of the world as mercifully as he can. He's like, I'm wanting to try to save as many as we possibly can. I think he can handle your Thursday. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth. And God's mercy that's mild. I love that. Don't let your hope fade. Don't let your faith wane. Don't let your, your mercy become brittle. 
Don't let your, your peace become fragile. Don't let Satan win. Trust in God. Pray for changes in circumstances because the circumstances are not right and they should change. But don't pray for your circumstances to change in order to change you. If anything, if anything, pray that God change you in order to help change your circumstances. God's peace. Jesus' brother Jude, nepotism. Jesus' brother Jude gets one little book in there, little bitty thing. But I love that he begins and he says, Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. That's my prayer for you guys. Mercy, God's mercy. Peace, God's peace. Love, God's love. In all circumstances, extended to all people. Not the way the world would do it. Not the way you would have naturally done it before you became a Christian. But the way God would do it. May that be yours in abundance. Because that's what the angels are proclaiming outside of Bethlehem that night. They say, now that the Messiah has come, now that you can be bought, now that you can be cleansed, now that the Holy Spirit can live within you, now that you can be changed, now there truly can be peace on earth. Why, are you getting rid of the Romans? No. I'm giving you better shock absorbers. If anything, the road might get nastier. But you will have peace if you accept the gift and choose it. Or choose what the world does. Echo the world. Get stressed about the same things they do. Or don't. It is now your choice. Glory to God. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you that you gave us that night the option to seek peace and pursue it. You gave us the ability to dive deep. You changed us from a raft bobbing on the surface to a submarine that can go deep. Thank you, Lord. And I pray, help us to be that. Help us to choose that. Help us to remind ourselves that we are not what we were and that we are filled with the spirit of the living God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.